0: Hey there, it's Jonathan, and I've got something really special for you today. This is not our regular twice-a-week conversation, which is why we're dropping it in between episodes for you. So our team here at Good Life Project, well, we've been working on something on the side, a brand new podcast called Spark. It's similar to Good Life Project in that it focuses on the big questions and is packed with amazing insights from Well, incredible people. But Spark is also so different in that it focuses in on the world of work, specifically on how to find and do more of the work that makes us come alive, which is just so important right now. And every week on the Spark podcast, we invite a listener to share their story and then pose a specific question to me and a rotating lineup of wise and kind mentors. We call them the Spark Brain Trust. And then we share insights and ideas and tips to help find or do or create more of the work that sparks them and, in turn, all of us. And today, I am so excited to share a recent episode of SPART right here in our Good Life Project feed so that you can check it out and hopefully be inspired and then tune into future episodes of Spark yourself. This particular episode, it features a dear friend, Charlie Gilkey, who longtime listeners have heard me reference many times, speaking to a listener's question that so many of us have. I hope you enjoyed this bonus episode of our new Sparked Podcast. Here we go.
1: With so many different possibilities in front of me, I'm having a hard time figuring out where to focus. I feel overwhelmed. And so, my question is how can I focus? in order to make progress well in this paradox
0: of choice. Hey there, in today's episode, one of our awesome listeners, Amy, asks, how can I focus to make choices in the space of paradox of choice? But as we'll also learn, there's a whole lot more going underneath that question, especially for Amy, who's in the midst of a career reinvention, as so many are now. And on deck with me to help out this week from the Sparked Brain Trust to tease out what really matters and share insights and ideas is strategic advisor and executive coach, founder of the Productive Flourishing Consultancy, and author of the multi-award-winning book, Start Finishing, Charlie Gilkey. Hey, quick note, you'll hear us mention something we call sparkotypes in conversation. So what is that? Well, it turns out we all have a unique imprint for work that makes us come alive. This is your sparkotype. When you discover it, it really helps you understand what lights you up and also what empties you out. And just like today's listener did, you can discover your sparkotype for free at sparkotype.com. You'll find a link in the show notes. Now, on to Amy's story and question. I'm Jonathan Fields, and this is Sparked.
1: Hey there, Jonathan in The Brain Trust. My name is Amy, and my preferred pronouns are she, her, and hers. My role was recently impacted after a corporate restructure, and it felt a little bit like a gut punch, honestly, because the work there truly sparked me. And I had a visible senior role with a track record of contribution and high performance. It was a place where I'd felt a huge sense of belonging, and it felt like I'd been kicked out. But if I'm really being honest, I think what happened was that the universe got impatient and decided it needed to intervene and get me on the course it designed me for. So I'm in the midst of reinventing and trusting myself to honor my purpose. A couple of huge epiphanies have helped steer me. Um, One of those has been that I really need to redefine what success looks like for me and understand that maybe it's not always up and to the right. So I'm building a coaching, speaking, and consulting practice to bring more positivity and encouragement to the world. The goal is to help people realize what they're capable of and then to step into it fully my sparketype profile is the advisor as my primary, the sage as my shadow, and the advocate is my anti sparkotype So my question for Jonathan and the Brain Trust is with so many different possibilities in front of me, I'm having a hard time figuring out where to focus. My previous path in corporate had some structure to it. So what happens is I find that when I wake up in the morning, I'm fired up to chart this new course. But by the afternoon, I've made very little progress. I feel overwhelmed and I go back by the time it hits 2 p.m. I'm I'm looking for more traditional jobs on LinkedIn, looking for something that feels a little less unknown. So my question is, how can I focus in order to make progress well in this paradox of choice? I really appreciate it, and I look forward to your advice.
0: that I think I've posed to you personally, probably many times over the very long period that we have known each other. And I have turned to you, um, as my person to help me in moments like this. You know, some things that jumped out at me immediately and what she shared was, you know, she was in a place where she really felt like she was doing good work, visible senior role and a, a huge sense of belonging. And then everything changed, you know, the role was restructured, the things, how many other people are, are in that same moment right now where it's sort of like they feel like things are actually going along pretty well and they probably would have kept just doing what they were doing, but circumstances change in the blink of an eye and all of a sudden what on paper was, you know, some somewhat the same role. Now the lived experience was profoundly different. I mean, how often have you been hearing that story with um with your clients, Charlie?
3: This is a really, really common story really common story. And there are a few things that I noticed that I want to tease out a little bit that may take this answer a little bit unexpectedly for Amy. Amy, that's a great question. So a few things that popped out for me. One is just when you go from a corporate working for someone else job, and you go on this entrepreneurial pathway, um, there is a period of deinstitutionalization that you need to have happen because work and school and everything prior to that is very nine to five or eight to five. And when you get out here without that structure, it can feel like you're swimming and you don't quite have a raft. and You don't know what's going on. And that's a really, really, really normal process for people, except for people don't know that it's normal for it to be really disorienting after that honeymoon period where you have all your free time to do all the things. It sounds great until about six or eight weeks in and you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing and I have no idea if I'm doing the right thing. And oh God, what do I do from here? And so, Amy, that's that's a part of what I want to put on deck that there's some tension and discomfort as you start reorienting your relationship with time and boundaries and structure. And this may be a period in which you have to relearn that. And that in and of itself, Jonathan, is a project. And people don't want to accept that. But that's that's a reality of it. The second thing that I wanted to really dial in more, and Amy, I wish I could I have you for questions, but it seems like your previous job had the right set of positive feedback loops for you in this road that you're on now may not have them, especially if you're in a senior leadership or a senior role, you're probably talking to people. You're probably sending emails. You're probably getting some head nods and oh yes and thank yous. And you know what you're doing is working, especially with that that sparkotype, which is very close to my own, right? I know how much that's important to know that what you're doing And teaching and helping people is is really hitting it. And now you're on this side where you might not be getting that positive feedback quick enough. Or maybe you're working on the internals of your program or your business or your offering, you're trying to figure out what your coaching programs are, and you're just not talking to people and getting that feedback. So while and Jonathan will be able to speak much more to this as far as advisors and and sort of the sparketype side go, what I will say is some of your sparkotypes. Are very definitely socially interdependent. And as an advisor, if you try to do too much of that and you're not actually talking to people and helping people and advising people, you're going to lose sight that like your own mission, but how you're pushing that mission forward is not actually stoking that spike and that spark and keeping it going.
0: Yeah, Charlie, I want to jump in there also. I so agree. Um, and I want to go back to something you said also, but on this particular point, especially in reference to the fact that Amy's primary spark type is the advisor, which is all about, you know, it is a deeply relational, um, mm-hmm. impulse to be of service, to guide others through a process of growth and awakening. And one of the blind spots that is we've learned, um, over time that can be fairly common to advisors one of the things that they sometimes miss is that advisors need advisors. Mm -hmm. Um, And we tend to get wrapped up, you know, like so much in in the I am here to serve others mode that when we hit a moment in time where we've had all this structure like you talked about and we've had the people just as a part of that structure – the ability to interact with others, to um, lead others, to be guided with or collaborate with others, and also to be led and to have people to, um, to help sort of like guide your decisions and work collaboratively to develop a path and a process and a defined outcome, it's all kind of there. So, you know, we take for granted sometimes that um, the advising, the, the guidance towards growth and awakening that we're so good at providing to other people. It's just been sort of given to you through osmosis because of structure. And then when you lose that, all of a sudden you feel like you know, the ground has been stripped away from you, but you're not entirely sure what you're feeling. Um, I see you, you know, like nodding along, Charlie, tell, tell me what's going on.
3: Yeah, well, in my previous book, Start Finishing, I actually talk about building your own success pack. So I'm like, is Jonathan building me up, on setting this one up? And the main thing here is, especially when you start doing your best work, which is this unique off the rails thing, off the rails, not in a bad way, right? But you start making and, and creating your own map. You have to develop the skill to building your own success pack. Now, I'll talk about four different kinds of people. You hinted on the, the guide side of that, the advisors, right? Do you have your peers, which are the people who are part of your brain trust that are helping like, actually give a lot of the feedback? You have your supporters, which are putting some hands in on the work. And you have your beneficiaries who benefit from that. But I'm, that's why I was nodding, Jonathan, is because part of the skill is saying, who are my guides and advisors and who are the peers that I'm going to bring around me? So that I really do my best work, and not just the work that I can do on my own that I feel comfortable with, right? Um, So yeah, absolutely. Advisors need advisors, coaches need coaches. I actually am a little bit suspect when coaches come to me, and I'm like, well, who are you working with? Not that I'm trying to sell my own services, but I'm like, who who's your coach or mentor? And they're like, I don't have any. I'm like, ooh. Be careful, be very, very careful about that um, because we need to be doing the work ourselves and we need to like, besides doing the work, um, so much of our best work is relational. It's what we're co-creating with other people. And for advisor archetypes or sparketypes, there's an easy way for you to get lost in the advising and teaching and helping other people and forget like what's your, what's your unique gift? What's your, what's your unique thing that you do? And advisors really help catch that blind spot, that, that blind spot and say, okay, great, Charlie, you're helping everybody else out and you're in the middle of things, but what's in this that's uniquely firing you up aside from advising other people? Or what's your unique way to show up, which may not be just how other people expect or know you for showing up?
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And the other thing that jumped out at me is that Amy was sharing that she's sort of like in this middle window right now where, and, and it wasn't clear, but where she may not actually be doing a whole lot of advising of others when you're in the early days of putting together what does this look like? So there's also this really interesting phenomenon of what happens when you get really clear. You know, like she said, I, I got really clear, I had an epiphany, I need to redefine what success looks like, not always up and to the right. So you have a clear picture like this is kind of like uh, there's a new definition. You have a a vision of what it is that you want to be doing. Um, As you're figuring out the details of it, there may be this interim window where you're not actually doing the thing that is a powerful expression, a conduit of that thing you feel that you're here to do. And that almost creates this internal, um, not tension, but pressure um, because there's no release valve for it. And, and, And I wonder sometimes whether it's an interesting thing to consider even while you're figuring out what is the structure of this next thing that I want to create. You just find any outlet available to you to do the thing that you feel like you need to do.
3: Absolutely. That's where I was before you got there. I was like, this is a great case for being involved in nonprofits. This is a great case for being involved in, you know, supporting kids in the community and doing different ways just so you're continuing to, Um, feel that unique expression that you have. Um, And it doesn't have to be business related. When she said up and to the right, what I interpret that was that a specific business goal that has to be achieved in a certain amount of time. And there's a really good place for that. And sometimes you just need to be in the quality of who you are, the quality. And I know that sounds maybe woo, but you need to be in that essence of who you are and the rest of the things will happen, right? And so I know so many advisors and coaches and, and, and that sort of archetype that gets stuck in their office, stuck in their room or at home, and they end up in a weird catch-22. Like, if they were coaching more, they would coach more, but they're not coaching, so they're not coaching more, right? And so, the relief valve, to put your point, is, look, in our communities right now, there is so much need and so much space for us all to show up uniquely, And I think when you focus your time just on what gets business traction or whatever you want to put in air quotes or scare quotes, you miss out on being who you are in a focused way that's helping you create this new way of being in the world is really, really important. Really, really important. And that's where... Now, on the tactical side, Jonathan, if we start talking about how she's chunking her projects down, like how she's choosing the projects that she's doing, I'm a project guy, you know this, Jonathan, right? And I think that's where people get tripped up is because they either have a goal or an aspiration, but they haven't turned it into a project yet. And so for Amy, that's one of the things I would be thinking is like, what's a quarter sized project that she could do that would be on the business side that the, you know, what she might be thinking is that up in the right, but what's a supplementary or complementary complementary project that no matter what, no matter what the outcomes are, she gets to be the advisor. She gets to be who she is and really sink into that pocket. Um, obviously she's going to need to build some boundaries between the two because it's easy for the nonprofit thing because all of the positive feedback loops are there because all of the juice is there for that to become your thing. But as much as in sort of the productivity literature, there's like the focus on one thing. Eh, I'm more like figure out ways for you to show up in the world that are unique to you and uniquely valuable to the people you're around and then build around that as opposed to just thinking in terms of, I'm just going to do one thing until I'm successful.
0: yeah I love that. So you've used the word project uh, a number of times. and yeah, you know, there's a general use of that word, but I know when you use that word, there's a different context and I want I, I, I'd love for you to share that because it is really it's built around a bigger ideology around focus and momentum and how do we actually identify the things that truly matter and then get those things done, which I think would be really useful for this conversation.
3: I appreciate that. So, um, broadly speaking, a project in Gilkey land is anything that takes time, energy, and attention, which is everything actually, when you think about it, everything is a project, your life, your work, your relationships. And the other thing that I'll say is when I say work, it's not the four letter thing that you want to get away from. It's not like, I got to get to work. It's like, no, I get to do work just as much as I have to work. Right. We use these words differently. So a lot of times when I'm working with people or advising people on this, I'm like, look, you have an idea or maybe you have a goal or maybe you have an aspiration, but you haven't turned it into a project yet. It's not a plan. It's not something that can live on your schedule. It's not something that you can say, I'm done. It's not something where you've qualified what th- what the different levels of success might be. And until you grapple with that, unfortunately, what happens for so many people is the weight of the possibility sits on them. But every day that goes by the weight of not doing something also sits on them too. Right. And so you start building up this emotional debt or sometimes what I call creative constipation. And so when you start thinking about a project, it's like, yeah, you know, I said quarter size cause I, am I know, or I am guessing where Amy is that that's a big enough project for her to make some serious momentum on some things but not so small that it just, she becomes a to-do list ninja that seems like she's doing a whole lot, but not getting anywhere. Um, one other quick point on this, Jonathan, I may be taking this a different direction. What people who start doing this sort of creative change, making entrepreneurial work soon figure out is it's exhausting, right? It takes like the full day that you might be used to is not the full day on oh, like most peak performing creatives after four to six hours they're sort of at the limit of what they can do, right? But when we start planning our days and start planning those chunks of work, we have this myth that we can do eight to 10 hours of that kind of work every day. When in reality, especially when you start looking at the deinstitutionalization institutionalization of things, the reality is you probably need to be planning on two of those, like two 90 to 120 minute blocks of time where you get something done and then spending your afternoon connecting and advising and doing different things. Because if you expect... You know, and, and this kind of came up in in what she said for the day. She's like, I get fired up in the morning, and then in the afternoon, you know, around two, and I'm like, I've seen this so many different times, so many different ways this caches out. She may have very well just done as much as she can do between eight and twelve or nine and twelve, and that's the limit. Nothing wrong with that. Many of us have that limit. The question is, what do you do that's purposeful, that's strategic, that's rejuvenative? For the rest of that time, besides, you know, doom scroll and beat yourself up for the rest of the day, because that's clearly not helping you. It's not helping the world. So yeah, Jonathan, when I say project, I mean, okay, let's, let's put a ring on it. Let's commit to this. Let's get this on our schedule. Let's build a success pack around helping us do this. Let's show up and think about what progress means week to week. And that can change, right? You might think that progress means X, and then you do some great work and you realize you've been counting the wrong things. That's fantastic, right? That's part of the learning process. But if you're just doing a bunch of stuff, unfortunately, that's, I think, a bridge to suffering for so many creative people.
0: Mm, yeah, that resonates so deeply. Um, I think especially if you come out of a world of a larger organization where you have your quote KPIs, and they're all hard metrics, and they're all based on deliverables and specifics and outputs, and now you get a chance to not just redefine success, but to redefine your KPIs or decide that acronyms have no place in your life anymore. And just think about what matters. Um, and it's a really powerful moment to, to really dip into this and say, and, and part of what you're, you're hinting at also is, is welcoming forgiveness of your own humanity into the experience of transitioning from one place to another. And I thought that was a really interesting overlay with Amy's spark type. So she mentioned she was an advisor, sage. Advisor is always about guiding through growth. Sage is about awakening insight. The advocate impulse, which is her anti, which means it's among the heaviest left, is about championing ideas, ideals, um, individuals, communities. What is not often so obvious for advocates when that shows up in the role of an anti is that that also may tell you that you have trouble advocating for your own ideas, your own needs, your own individuality, your own forgiveness of your own humanity. So it's an interesting sort of like different take on when that impulse shows up in the role of your anti-Sparketype, especially during a transitional moment where you really need to um, advocate for you being okay through the process and through what really matters to you. There's one other thing I'd love your input on this before we wrap, Charlie. When you talk about the project and when you talk about the fact that most of us overestimate dramatically, the the available bandwidth we have to slot legitimate projects into our days, I wonder, given the moment that we're all in as we're having this conversation where there's a, a sort of persistent fabric of groundlessness and uncertainty, and for many, baseline level of anxiety that we don't acknowledge whether that alone in your mind actually takes up like the room that a project might take up on almost a daily basis and whether we should factor that in.
3: 100% absolutely full stop. You know, since COVID has happened, I've been reminding people that COVID is itself a project, navigating that, right? And so Jonathan, you know how much I guide people on the five projects rule. I could be super quick on this one, but it's no more than five active projects per time perspective. So when you're looking at your month size projects, no more than five of those. Now, it's not the only thing that you do, but these are the ways to give these the light of day that you're going to put some additional priority juice behind. Now, the trick is what I just said about projects is Everything counts Like if it takes time, energy and attention. It's a project. So negotiating and co-teaching um, your kids with your school like that is its own project, let alone renegotiating and figuring out how to do your job. If you get sick from COVID and many people are with Omicron as, as, as you know, as our recording is, is going down, that's its own project. Might be a week size, might be a multiple week. These take time, energy and attention. And unfortunately, what we do is we have this sort of clean slate slash frictionless plane idea. Like we think, okay, I'm going to do all of these things and I have all of the time, energy, and attention without reversing that. And I want people to invert it and say, okay, I'm dealing with COVID right now and I'm co-teaching. I'm a partner teacher with my kid in their school. Those are two projects right now. What are you going to reprioritize and dial back or put on deck for the remaining three? Remember, it's no more than. Sometimes we just don't have the capacity for that. And so um, if you've really negotiated and you're in a good new normal with COVID, then maybe it's not a project for you anymore. But these constant disruptions, these constant negotiations, are they going to have the food? Is this restaurant going to be open? Can I hug my best friend? Are just eating up a lot of our time, energy, and attention, and a lot of that soul energy that we would normally just not have to think about. And that's one of the reasons why we're fatigued and languishing. And so I'm so glad you put this on, Jonathan. I wasn't going to stump it, but you did. Um, that's also what I would put on deck for Amy is that, you you know, I say no more than five. One, it might just be COVID for her. The second might be adapting to this new reality of time management and self-management um, outside of the corporate structure. Okay, that's two. Oh, she's trying to like create her first offer as a coach. That's three. Um, You see where this is going to go, right? And while I said you can have a complimentary project of, of, of being with, you know, nonprofits or whatever, that would be four. Doesn't leave a whole lot of room left over. And a lot of people, Jonathan, will want to punch me in the eye when I talk about this. But then I'm just like, look at your schedule. Look at how you feel. I'm not doing anything but giving you a representation of the reality that you're living in and hopefully giving you a useful constraint such that you can focus on what matters. Because if the things that truly matter to you don't take up one of those five slots, time will take that from you. So you either choose to get them on deck and do the work behind it and advance it, or you make the bargain with time, the time is going to steal it from you. How often, Jonathan do we look back a year later and be like, man, if I I didn't put that project on deck, I didn't actually make it real. And then you're kicking yourself because, you know, projects are mirrors and bridges. Projects are mirrors and bridges. They're bridges because they build the future and the life that you want to live in. But building half of a bridge doesn't get you over the water, (laughs) right? You got to finish that project, which is why my book is Start Finishing. So many of us don't make the hard choice to put what matters on deck, this is that advocation, right, that we we're talking about. Right. To put what matters most on the deck. But a year later, three years later, a quarter later, we look back and judge ourselves as if we had. And that's what creates the suffering.
0: Mm. Yeah, so true. And 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 this, by the way, zooming the lens out and we'll start to wrap this up. This has nothing to do with skills. This has nothing to do with good intentions, good hearts, intelligence, capabilities. I mean, Amy's clearly like highly intelligent, successful senior leadership. You know, like this is this so many people um, feel these all of these same things. We are that sense of belonging that she said she sort of like was was removed from her. We're all dropped into a sense of belonging in sort of like the wondering and the wandering and the reimagining right now, and it's almost like we may be able to find that temporary sense of belonging in the community of people who are asking all these very same questions that we're speaking to in these conversations. So, Charlie, if I asked you to, um, if you had sort of like a a single takeaway, like a, a what should I really be thinking about um, as I leave this conversation? Does anything come to mind?
3: Because we unpack so much, what I would say is build the project based from the positive feedback loops that are going to keep you stuck in it or keep you stuck with it and keep you going forward with it. Meaning if you're stuck and you don't know what to do and it's just an idea and it's just the emotional weight of it, the problem is often that you haven't really sat down and said, where am I going? How am I going to get there? Who's going to help me get there? And how do I make getting there something that in and of itself Stokes joy, Stokes wonder, Stokes meaning, Stokes, you know, happiness, Stokes curiosity, all of these things. So you make the qualities you want of your life to be something you bake into the way that you do the projects that you need to do. And that way you win no matter what, right? You win when your projects are founded on belonging as opposed to are things to get belonging, and so that's what I would be saying is like, let's convert this. Let's be human first and understand you're going through some massive transitions, which are themselves projects. But when you're ready, make it a project, build, build it from what lights you up, what sparks you and, um, give yourself a quarter to figure that out a, a week, a month, too short a time.
0: Yeah. Love that. And and I would just add in there that along the way, um, find your transitional spark release valves, your way to just kind of like let that impulse see the light of day, even if you know, it's not the ultimate format or structure it's going to take just to let you be in the joy, in the grace, in the lightness of being able to do that thing in whatever way is accessible to you through the process. Thank you so much, Charlie. So, uh, thanks so much for your insight, Charlie, and look forward to seeing everybody on the next episode.
3: Thanks for having me. And until next time.
0: Hey, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation, learned a little something about your own quest to come alive and work in life, and maybe feel a little bit less alone along this journey to find and do what sparks you. And if you'd love to share your own moment and question with us, we would love to hear from you. Just go ahead and click on the submissions link in the show notes to get the details on how to do that. And remember, if you're at a moment of exploration, looking to find and do or even create work that makes you come more fully alive, that brings more meaning and purpose and joy into your life, take the time to discover your own personal Sparkotype for free at Sparkotype.com. It'll open your eyes to a deeper understanding of yourself and open the door to possibility like never before. And hey, if you're finding value in these conversations, Please just take an extra second right now to follow and rate Sparked in your favorite podcast app. This is so helpful in helping others find the show and growing our community so that we can all come alive and work in life together. Until next time, I'm Jonathan Fields and this is Sparked. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. If so, you can find a link to our new Sparked podcast in the show notes where you can listen and follow it in your favorite podcast app now, or just open your app and find it now. Thanks so much for supporting our growing passion for creating new experiences that help you come alive in all parts of work and life.